0: Turn your Bibles to Philemon. Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul that aged and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time, also prepare me a a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. How many of you guys are familiar with this book? How would you summarize Philemon? What's Philemon all about? Good. So, a guy, Onesimus, runs away from his master, Philemon. Let's break down the characters. So first, the author, Paul. Right, where is Paul when he's writing this? He's in, he's in jail. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Okay? While Paul is in jail, what happens? He meets this guy named Onesimus. And he preaches the gospel, and Onesimus becomes a Christian. And then where does Philemon come into all of this? Who is Philemon? Onesimus, is master. Onesimus' master. Okay, and from from what it says here, it looks like Philemon is actually another pastor. It says, Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker. And fellow worker is usually a title that Paul gives to others who are pastors. Okay, so you have Paul, Onesimus, and Philemon. And the letter really is, A short, simple, very ordinary letter. Um, In fact, how I came upon Philemon was uh, I was reading through my Bible reading plan. right? And those of you who've been following that know that Philemon is still back in like April. Um, But I was reading through, I just finished Titus, and Philemon was next, but I was going to skip it. I was going to skip it because I wanted to get to the big, weighty, deep theology of Hebrews. And Philemon, you know, it's just a story about a slave who gets returned to his master. Nothing exciting about that. But something about that didn't seem quite right, so I read Philemon. Um, And what I found was that there's so much in this seemingly ordinary, not very interesting letter. There's so much that we can glean and learn from this so much. It's rich. It's full of stuff. Um, The first thing about it that I want to point your attention to is the way that the Apostle Paul talks. The way that the Apostle Paul talks. Okay, look at this. To Philemon, our beloved brother, grace to you and peace from God. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love. Now, what goes through our minds when we read that kind of stuff? Probably, for a lot of us, it's nothing. It means nothing to us. When we see that kind of you know, grace and peace to you and joy fills my heart and I have so much comfort because of you, it doesn't even really register. We have a hard time understanding it. We have a hard time connecting with it. So it's either nothing or we might think, <clears throat> well, that was Paul the Apostle and that's how all of the Christians back then talked. Um, everybody spoke with this sort of uh, spiritual language. Okay. Some of us, uh, myself included, I used to get mad when I read stuff like that. Because I thought nobody could talk ever nobody could ever talk that way and actually mean it. I mean, I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers. Can you imagine if somebody today came up to us and started speaking using this kind of language. You know, hey, Johnny, my beloved brother, I thank my God always, making mention of you in my... It's like, what is wrong with this guy? Right? He can't be, he can't be serious. Now what's, what's going on? Why do we have such a hard time relating to this kind of language? Is it because Paul is spiritual and godly and we are worldly and ungodly? Yes. Yes, it is. We don't understand this type of speech. It is so far removed from who we are because we don't think like Paul thinks. We don't think like Paul thinks, we don't feel like Paul feels, and so we don't talk like this. So what was it, what was it that fueled this type of language? Because we don't want, I mean, Paul is worthy of our imitation, is he not? Absolutely. But we know that we can't just start talking like this because people would see through it in a second. It would be awful if we were all to start talking like this but not know what was behind it and not have what was behind it. If we adopted this sort of speech and remained unchanged inside, that would be worse than if we were completely unspiritual. There's nothing that God hates more than sin disguised with a facade of righteousness. Okay, so what is it that caused Paul to speak like he did? The answer is really simple. Very, very simple. Paul knew Jesus Christ. Not only did he know Jesus Christ, but he loved Jesus Christ. Paul was not of this world. And so he didn't speak like the rest of us do. Paul knew Jesus Christ and loved Jesus Christ and this changes everything. It's impossible it's impossible to know Jesus Christ and to remain unchanged by him. Think about the apostle Paul. What did he used to be before he was converted? a blasphemer, a persecutor of Christians, right? A thoroughly wicked man who was zealously, he was blinded, but he was zealously pursuing what he thought was righteousness on the fast lane to hell, and God plucked him out in quite a miraculous way. And from that point on, Paul's life was never the same. Paul's life was never the same. He knew what he had been taken from. He met Jesus, the Savior, and he knew him and loved him. And from that moment on, everything that he did, everything that he thought, everything that he said, the way he processed the world was through the lens of knowing the Savior, Jesus Christ. So, my question for you today when you read this stuff, is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus, and do you love Jesus? Because that's what a Christian is. That's what a Christian is. Being a Christian causes you to talk different, causes your heart to beat faster about different things, Causes you to love different things. Causes you to hate different things. Causes you to be sad about different things. Causes you to laugh at different jokes. Changes everything about you. Um, Paul was not of this world, and so that's why he talked the way he did. Um, Every Christian is like a a piece of burning wood that God has pulled out of the fire. And their home is in heaven. Their eyes are set on heaven. Their mind is on heaven. They're not of this world. Um, I was driving the bus on Monday, okay? And it was a terrible day because... I was very, very tired, extremely tired. And usually what bus drivers do when they pass each other is they wave. I mean, it's kind of out of courtesy that you wave to other drivers. But that day on Monday, I did not even have the desire or the, the strength to smile and wave to my other drivers. I was dead and exhausted. And I was struggling with all sorts of things. Uh, temptations and sins, and I was beaten down. But as I passed the stop, I saw Jeff Ewer standing there. And so I honked at him. And he, had a, he put a big grin on his face, and he waved to me like back like this. And it almost made me cry. It almost made me cry because here was another sojourner passing through this world. Here is another man like me with weaknesses, sins, temptations, failures, struggles, fights. right? But here's a man, a fellow brother in Christ Jesus whose, whose home was in heaven. And so I took great encouragement through that. If we want To talk like Paul talks, we must think like Paul thinks. And if we want to think like Paul thinks, we have to know our Savior. We can't just know Him, we have to love Him. What will make you love Jesus Christ? Knowing what He saved you from. Okay? So, the first thing that I want to point your attention is the way Paul speaks. And to think about what was behind all of that. And why we don't share that with him. Um, Look at some of the things that he says. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers. Um, And then later on again. He thanks God uh, in his prayers for Philemon. Um, A Christian is a praying man. A Christian is a praying man who thanks God for other believers. Um, Look at what he says. Why does he thank God for Philemon? Because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. What's Paul's mind on? What makes Paul glad and grateful Paul's love for Jesus, any sort of faith, any sort of godliness, any sort of love for Jesus will always, always extend to the people of God. Not only Paul, but even Philemon himself. Look at this in verse 6, sorry, in verse 5. Because I hear of your love and the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints... And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective. The fellowship of your faith. Faith is never something that you hold on to by yourself. It's always expressed and is always proven and it's always tested and shown and manifested through your relation to your brothers and sisters. Um, Paul is spiritual, Philemon is spiritual now when you hear me say spiritual some of you may become a little uncomfortable right we've all been warned and rightly so about something called super spirituality how many of you have heard that term right we're rightly warned against that but spirituality is good or bad Should Christians be spiritual? Yes, we should. We should. What does that spirituality look like? True Christian spirituality is this. It is a love for God that results in obedience to him and a love for others. That's it. And that's what it looked like for Paul, and that's what it looked like for Philemon. If your spirituality is one that causes you to withdraw by yourself, if your spirituality is something that causes you to feel a kind of glow of holiness when you're among other people, if your spirituality is something that makes you feel like you're especially pure or clean, If your spirituality is something that makes you feel like the others around you are unspiritual compared to yourself, that is not real spirituality at all. That is spiritual pride dressed as godliness. You know those godly feelings that you have about yourself sometimes? That is not true spirituality. True spirituality is this. It is a love for God, a love for Christ, which results in a love for others and a concern for the glory of God. That's all it is. And it's evident. It's evident in Paul's writing, isn't it? Listen to it again. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Here's a test for you. Here's a test for you. If Paul were writing about you, would he say, Justin, I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Plug in your name here. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Could you say that the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you? Could Paul look at your life And say that he gives thanks to God, making mention of us in our prayers, because he hears of our love and of the faith which we have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Think of yourself in relation to your brothers and sisters right here. What are you known for? What are are you known for? Are you an encouragement? Are you an encouragement to your brothers and sisters, to your leaders, because they see your love and because you constantly refresh them, you strengthen their faith? Or are you a whiner, complainer, someone who is always bringing some kind of a sour mood to the table? What are you to your brothers and sisters around you? Could this be said about you? The second thing I want you guys to look at is the humility of Paul. The humility of Paul. So, after his greeting, he goes to this, verse 8. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Notice that he appeals to Philemon. Who is Paul? Paul is an apostle. An apostle. He could have had, he had the right. He had the right. Full right to command Philemon. I, Paul, an apostle of Christ, command you, Philemon, to send me back Onesimus to further the gospel. Nothing wrong with that. But look at what Paul does. He appeals. He says, please, I'm begging you. Now, if the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul, appeals, how do we speak to one another? How do we speak to one another? I'm afraid that many of us um, in our repentance from being passive and passive-aggressive have gone the other way and just become aggressive with one another. We're short with one another. We're annoyed with one another. When we speak to each other, it comes out. We are to be gentle with one another. And we're to be patient with one another. If Paul the Apostle appealed to Philemon with gentleness, we should with one another too. And then look at this. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment was formerly useless to me, but now is useful both to you and to me. He calls Onesimus his child. Onesimus, remember who he is and what he did? Onesimus is a slave. Onesimus was low class. Who would the equivalents today be in your mind? Somebody that you wouldn't give a second thought to somebody unimportant in your eyes. Onesimus was low. Onesimus was a fugitive and a thief, a runaway slave. Nothing worth respecting. But Paul calls him his child, who he's begotten in his imprisonment. Look how dear Onesimus is to Paul. It wasn't, it wasn't too small of a thing for Paul to take the trouble to write a letter to another pastor pleading to take Onesimus back and even if he was willing to send him back. There's so many little things that we think are beneath us. Tasks that we're asked to do, favors that we're asked When our friends ask us, we don't have time for that. We can't bother with that. We have more important things to do. We get annoyed. We get annoyed. But nothing is too low for the Apostle Paul. What was behind that? What is behind Paul's humility? Remember with Paul's speech, with Paul's speech we have to know what's behind that, right? And it was his love for Christ which showed itself in his love for the saints and changed everything about him, made him heavenly minded, right? That was what was behind Paul's talk talking. What's behind Paul's humility? What made Paul humble like he was? What was it that caused Paul to take the time for somebody that no one else would have taken time for, bothered with. It was this. Paul knew that Jesus himself, God, came down as a baby to save us from our sins. If God, if the God of heaven did that, nothing was beneath Paul. And if that wasn't, if nothing was beneath Paul, then nothing should be beneath us. There should be nothing, there should be nobody that you look at and say, nah, not worth my time. Not worth my time, not good enough for me. There's one more thing that we can learn from this. Onesimus. Look at what happened to Onesimus. He grew up in Philemon's household. He was surrounded by a pastor and the pastor's family. He had chances, but what did he do? He hardened himself and ran away. He squandered the opportunity of having the relationship with Philemon. He ran away and he probably even stole from Philemon from his master. That's why the Apostles Paul says, "If he owes you anything or has wronged you, charge that to my account." Philemon uh, Philemon was a basket case. Philemon was trouble. He was worse than unimportant. He was, he was trouble. But look what God did with Philemon, uh, with Onesimus. Look what God did with such a person as Onesimus. Sent him Paul. Paul preaches the gospel to him, and he's saved. And he goes from being a troublemaker a fugitive, a criminal, to what? A beloved son. Someone useful to Paul. Right? If God can do that to Onesimus, he can do that to anybody. He can do that to you as well. It doesn't matter what kind of sins you've done, It doesn't matter how many chances you've squandered. It is not too late for you to repent, and it's not too late for your friends to repent. I want you to look one more time at Paul. In verse 19, he says, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Um, He's talking about taking blame personally for Onesimus. How different is that from us? Right? When you look at the person next to you, when you look at The people in this room, what are they to you? Are they a trouble to you? Are they a burden to you? Are they an annoyance to you? Or are you willing to even take responsibility for them at your own hurt, at your own cost? We should learn from the Apostle Paul... His love for God, his love for others, his humility, we should learn from Philemon, his encouragement and his faith, which was shown in his, uh, his refreshing of the hearts of all those who were around him. And we should learn from Onesimus, who formerly was a criminal but became useful to the Apostle Paul and for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And we should take hope in that. If God can do that to him, he can do that with us and to those around us too. Let's pray. Father, please, please help us to be truly spiritual people who love you, who are concerned for our brothers and sisters. Humble us, Make us lowly. Make us like your son. Help us to love each other, our neighbors, and your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.